the health of our big blue backyard is on the rocks. While we trade on a reputation of pristine beaches and clean sparkling water, the reality is very, very different. The Environment Ministry's second marine report shows the human activity on the land and at seas is devastating marine habitats. Our coastal waters are suffering from overfishing, even with marine parks that are supposed to protect them. I'm Jessie Chang and today on The Detail, the battle to protect what we have on our doorstep. Things are so bad, one marine scientist says every New Zealander should feel embarrassed. This report reveals how little has been achieved since the marine park was established. In Auckland and the Coromandel, there's a plan to save the ailing Hauraki Gulf, with an ambitious new goal of protecting 30% of the area. It really is nice to see some organisations involved in the governance of our marine space actually make some clear and bold and future-focused statements. But is that enough for those who don't fish and still want to swim and play in the sea? That's just kind of downright unfair from my point of view. Like, my recreational activity of choice should be catered for as well. And in the end, are marine parks the answer? Marine parks? So recreational fishing have been rather problematic in the application because of the way in which they have been designed. Well, thanks for meeting me here, Simon. Oh, that's OK. It's a pleasure, Jessie. <laughs> yeah, so um, we're here at Long Bay Regional Park. It's a popular hotspot and picnic venue on Auckland's North Shore, People are out enjoying the beach as I talk to Professor Simon Thrush. He's the head of Auckland University's Institute of Marine Science. We currently only have half a percent of marine protection in the Haraki Gulf Marine Park. Half a percent? Half a percent. So if we think of that as being a sign of working, um, then I'm just not really going to agree with that. It was announced by the Hauraki Gulf Forum that there have adopted to have 30% of the area to be more protected and like was was that an encouragement to you to hear that so it's uh, i think it's a very positive move actually the marine science community around the world was talking about needing to have 30% of the sea under conservation management and that has then became, in New Zealand, that then became whittled down. So our target was 10%. Um, and so it's great to see, see us get back to the future. The target comes hot off the back of devastating statistics on the Gulf released in March this year. Crayfish, once one of the Gulf's most abundant species, are now functionally extinct. The snapper population is less than 20% of what it was before fishing, less than 20. Pollution and toxic algae has caused 10 mass mortality events of fish and shellfish in the past 10 years. Last week, representatives from Fisheries New Zealand, the Department of Conservation and Iwi all agreed on a goal to increase the area of protection in the Hauraki Gulf to 30%. But apart from a short-term aim of getting to 5% by the end of 2022, there's currently no timeline. One of the problems is deciding on whether to create different marine reserves or marine protected areas. And here's where it gets confusing. Karen Field from the marine life advocacy group Fish Forever explains what these terms actually mean. 
generally the term marine protected area is kind of an umbrella term for all sorts of areas in the marine environment that might have various levels of protection. So it's, it's sort of like on land, you might say forest reserves, but within forest reserves, there'd be all different types. So, so in the sea, the term marine protected area is kind of an umbrella term to take in all sorts of different levels of protection. A marine reserve in the New Zealand context has a very specific meaning. In 1971, the Marine Reserves Act was passed. Under that act, a marine reserve is an area where there's full protection, where there is no harvesting or damaging or collecting of anything. Everything within that area is protected. Right. And so in lay people's minds, that kind of what a marine reserve means they kind of get it they they often say oh it's kind of like a national park you know you go to look but you don't touch but there is a term that's come into play in New Zealand called marine park and they haven't been made under the marine reserves act they've been made under the fisheries act and what they've tried to do there's been this idea that some people believe that the only problem is commercial fishing and if you kick out commercial fishing then everything will be fine and so there's marine parks. Nowadays, you might hear them referred to as a recreational fishing park. That's a more modern term that people like to use. Um, so in those areas, they're areas where there's generally commercial fishing is completely banned. And then some types of recreational fishing are banned. So in other words, imagine there's a scale of most to least protected areas. A marine reserve sits at the top. Marine parks sit somewhere in the middle, depending on which one you're talking about. Different parks have different rules. For example, the Mimi Whangata Coastal Park near Whangarei completely bans commercial fishing. But others like the Hauraki Gulf Marine Park in Auckland allow it. On top of that, there are also instances where you have a marine reserve inside a marine park. For example, Long Bay Regional Park, which is inside the Hauraki Gulf Marine Park. There are currently 44 marine reserves in New Zealand, but as Karen Field explains, they're just a drop in the ocean. Currently, 99.6% of New Zealand coastal waters is reserved for people who like to fish, and only 0.4% of New Zealand coastal waters are in no-take reserves for people who like to look. Right, 0.4% of New Zealand coastline as a no-take zone. 0.4% of the coastal waters, wow. of mainland coastal waters. The subantarctic and the Kermadex have these big reserves around them. So if you include those percentages, it makes the percentage look bigger. But who gets the Kermadex and who gets the subantarctic? If you're talking about mainland New Zealand, 0.4% of our coastal waters is, protect, is fully protected. And a lot of marine reserves aren't easy to access for everyone. There's lots of people whose recreational activity of choice is to go fishing. And, you know, all good to them. That's what they enjoy doing. But there's heaps of us whose recreational activity of choice is to go snorkeling and diving and look at healthy communities, look at healthy marine communities that have abundant and thriving and flourishing fish life. And also that aren't kinnabarrens that have really good algal forests and everything else. And the reality is our coast is so fished out that I can only enjoy, like thoroughly enjoy, my activity of choice by going into a no-take area because the, outside the no-take areas, it's just too fished out and there's very little to see. 
Mm. And, um, and so I can only enjoy, like I have to, I live in Russell, I have to catch a boat out to Deepwater Cove, Monganui Bay, um, which costs money, or I have to go to Tutakaka and catch a boat to the Poor Nights, which costs a lot of money. Or I have to drive all the way to Goat Island and get in the water there with the 300-odd thousand people a year who go to Goat Island because Goat Island is one of the few no-take areas that has road access. My, my brother's a hardcore fisher, fisher, he loves it. But he even says, you know, I think there should be more marine reserves because you guys are like looking at things, deserve somewhere to go and look at it. And I like to take my kids where they can actually see something because he knows that where he goes diving for craze and stuff, there's hardly anything to see. And so when he wants to take his kids to see something, he takes them to Goat Island, you know? So for ordinary people, 360,000 people a year go to Goat Island to look because they love to look. And the reason Goat Island gets thrashed by all those people is because it's the only one with road access. There's one at... Um, Tafranui, and that's quite good, but the problem from the point of view of people who like to look is it's quite a walk, you know, over the dunes and along the beach to get to the actual rocky parts where you'd see anything, so that's why people don't tend to go there the way they go to Goat Island. New Zealand operates under a quota management system for commercial fishing. Basically, that means the government sets the total amount that can be taken of a particular species. That amount is then divvied out in quotas or shares, which companies then buy. The idea is to keep populations sustainable. That hasn't worked to keep healthy numbers. A government marine report last year showed some stocks are still overfished. But Karen Field says it's not just commercial fishing that's to blame. She says recreational fishing is doing its own damage. When it comes to snapper, for example, far more is taken out of the Hauraki Gulf by recreational fishers than by commercial fishers. I'm 58, so in my lifetime, when I was a kitty, people had a dinghy with oars and they rowed out away and they could catch a fish. And then when I was older, like a young adult, you had to have a boat with an outboard and hoon out a bit further. And now you, you know, now Auckland people would have a really big boat and they go all the way to Great Barrier or something and they've got um, depth sounders and fish finders and electric fishing rods and side scanners and, you know, the, the technology has improved and improved and improved and improved. Yeah. Such that now there's, like when my grandpa used to go fishing, he'd line up that tree and that cliff and that house and go, this is the spot, this is, there's a reef under here. Well, now everybody's got um, GPS and they're all just marked and there's nowhere to fish for, hide, to, for fish to hide anymore. You know, they're accessible everywhere and um, that's had a really big impact. Karenfield wants to ban fishing outright in more areas. There are sectors of the community that don't agree with me. Um, there's kind of two, two thought patterns on this. One thought pattern is we just have more and more and more specific and detailed restrictions on fishing. So we might say, as an example, in the Haraki Gulf, you can only catch two snapper, for example, or somewhere here might be closed during the spawning season, or this area over here might be closed in the winter, or, you know, this area here, you can use a long line, but not a set net, you know. So, so the fishing public tends to prefer... Um, maintaining their access to fish absolutely everywhere, um, but to just have kind of piecemeal specific restrictions. And in their belief, their hope is that that will 
make sufficient difference to bring back the fish. From my perspective, particularly like Bay of Plenty, Coromandel, Hauraka Gulf, Northland, the recreational fishing pressure is just enormous. And really it's just simpler to have a no-take area, nobody fishes in, it's nice and easy, everybody knows it's there. Is there also the idea of maybe bringing one man, one line, would that actually work? Well, that's what's had, they've had at Mimi Fongata for 30 years and it hasn't made any difference. There's lots of graphs to show that inside and outside Mimi Fongata where, you know, one fish or one line, one hook hasn't made any difference because one fish or one line or one hook sounds great, but when you've got um, day after day after day, you know, 10 or 20 fishes and in the weekend 100 or 200 fishes, that's still a lot of fishing. Have you heard stories about people who kind of um, hang out on the edge of the no-take area and wait for the fish to come, which kind of defeats the purpose? Yeah, totally. Like, like that's, um, that's, I talked to one guy once because we're having this little um, discussion, shall we say, with some people who like to fish and they were all going, oh, I hate marine reserves. They're just like museums, you know, let it touch anything, blah, blah. And this guy, this, there was one guy there was a hardcore fishing person. And he says, I love marine reserves. When I lived at Lee, we all just went out on a Saturday morning, fished on the boundary, we're back in the pub by 10 o'clock. He says marine reserves are great. So um, the boundary fishing thing is really well known and really well understood. The few people who do have a no-take area close to them you know, love fishing on the boundary because that's where they're going to catch the most fish. And what's known is that there's a boundary effect, which means that even inside the no-take area, um, it used to be the rule of thumb was 500 metres, but now we're thinking the boundary effect is more like a kilometre. Because the fishing on the boundary is so heavy, you don't actually see the full effect of the protection until you get at least 500 metres to a kilometre inside the reserve. And historically, most of our marine reserves have been too small. Like Goat Island, for instance, is only 800 metres wide. Mm. And so now the really heavy fishing pressure on the boundary means that initially Goat Island fish abundance went up and up and up and up. But over the last few years, it's been declining. It's still better than outside, but it's been declining. Karen Field's solution is to make marine reserves bigger. But she says it's not just up to her. What gives your organisation the authority to paddle into our EEZ and to determine what Māori rights are to fish. The government is losing further Māori support over the Kerberdeck sanctuary with another iwi backing away from the proposal. Court action is underway with the Māori Fisheries Trust locked in a stalemate with Cabinet over fishing rights. It's an issue of um, you know, broken promises, of people not acting with integrity and honesty and honour. To understand what's at play between iwi and marine reserves, it's probably best to take a look at what happened with the Kermadec Sanctuary. The Kermadec Islands lie about a thousand kilometres northeast of the North Island. In 2015, former Prime Minister John Key made a fanfare announcement to the United Nations about New Zealand's plan to turn the area into a marine reserve. The proposed area is twice the size of New Zealand's landmass and would account for 15% of the Pacific Ocean. But there was little consultation with iwi. 
Te Ohoka Moana say it's a groundbreaking plan, but the government scuppered it with a bad process. This was an opportunity for us to work constructively with the government to develop a solution uh, for this particular area that we could all be proud of. It's kind of been a clunky process. How do we all collaborate, understanding what different interests and um, sharing the best outcomes are for future generations? That's Harry Burkhart, the chairman of the Ngāti Kuri Trust Board based in Northland. He thinks of the Kermadec Islands chapter, which is still ongoing, as a political misstep. Harry commends the government for wanting to act on marine protection, but says it's been a bumpy ride. When it's attempted to do that, uh, it's come hard up against iwi interests, and those conversations haven't been appropriate. It's always been politically led rather than uh, collaboratively led. So we're working through that process now, but uh, we all agree that we have a significant interest in healing our oceans. And it's our role for our future generations to get the next conversation of steps right, which I believe we're working towards. Te Atarangi Sayers from the Motiti Rohi Moana Trust in the Bay of Plenty says everyone agrees that our oceans are in desperate need of help. He sees marine reserves are useful for a scientific purpose. But simply creating more of them and more marine parks under current legislation isn't the answer. He wants to see a collaborative approach and one where the people right next to the marine habitats have their voices heard. From a tangata whenua perspective, um, marine reserves have been seen with, as, a, as a state of um, potential alienation. And this has created a lot of anxiety for Tangata Whenua in engaging with uh, the marine reserve process. Uh, although there are some success stories, um, Pangara and, um, and the mahi that's gone down there on the east coast um, has shown that there is, um, there is potential for coexistence of a marine reserve um, development with a mātaitai or, or a marine park um, situation. What we've shown with the Mortiti experience is that there needs to be more values that are protected in terms of the relationships that the community, the environment and, um, and the ocean has together. As for the Hauraki Gulf Marine Park, what does Harry Burkhart think of the new 30% protection target? We've probably done too little too late. It doesn't mean we can recapture those opportunities, uh, but we just need to think differently and move faster uh, because what we're seeing is not good. That's the detail today. I'm Jessie Chang. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get the detail downloaded free to your mobile phone every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, give us a rating so others can find us too. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell and Sharon Brett Kelly. And thanks to Professor Simon Thrush, Karen Field, Harry Burkhart and Te Atarangi Sayers. Mā te wā.